Do you have the right to sin as much as you want? Does the marvelous grace of God allow us to live immoral lives? Let's talk about that. Hi, I'm Josh. Welcome to Honestly Radio. When I married my beautiful bride on a sunny day in June, we exchanged vows. We pledged to love one another for the rest of our lives, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer. It was an incredible day that began a remarkable 12-year journey that continues to this day. Our goal from day one was to strengthen the relationship, grow together, learn more about each other, and discover how we could best serve and love one another. That's what makes our marriage work. All the time invested, all the acts of service, all the displays of love have resulted in the deepening of our love and admiration towards one another and our commitment that we made in 2010. If our goal from the beginning had been to test the limits of those vows and break them willingly whenever we felt like it, we would not have what we do now. We might still be married, but really we would just have the title and not anything else that goes with it. It would destroy the very thing we had vowed to treasure. This is what it looks like for people who call themselves Christians but never actually live out their faith. In fact, they use it as a license to sin. And it's as ridiculous as someone who constantly cheats on his wife while also claiming to be a happily married man. It just doesn't work, does it? None of the actions match the title. It generates this nose-wrinkling response of disgust. And that's appropriate because the whole thing stinks. Jude was addressing a similar issue to believers who were facing attacks against the church from the outside by the government and attacks from within by teachers spreading the false message that believers have a license to sin as much as they want. The half-brother of Jesus, full brother to James, warns believers in Jude chapter 1 verse 4. Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. We see three unique things about false teachers. Number one, they were ungodly. None of what they did remotely resembled the Bible. It was all things they created. So it may have sounded good, but the more people listened to it, the farther away they were led from the truth. Number two, they perverted grace. Grace is a marvelous gift from God. It's needed so that our imperfect selves can be united with a perfect God. It was purchased with the blood of Jesus. A gift like that is deserving of all of our reverence, our honor, respect. And they were using it as a springboard to sin and to do things that openly mocked God and Christ. Number three, they denied Christ. Jude uses two Greek words for Jesus here. The false teachers disowned Christ as sovereign Lord, despotes, and despised any recognition of Christ as the ultimate king or honorable Lord, kurios. The evidence of this was found in their wicked behavior. So Jude is trying to root out these awful weeds who are poisoning new believers and luring them away from Jesus. He says, look, this isn't new. This has been happening since the time of Moses, and God hates it. This behavior shows that you don't belong to Jesus. 
God has punished both men and angels who refuse to stay within the limits of the authority that he gave them. God locked up angels in darkness and destroyed entire cities with fire. This license to sin attitude is dangerous and wicked. Jude continues in verse 8. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But these people scoff at things they don't understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? He concludes this thought by saying, they perish in their rebellion. The attitude of, I can do whatever I want, is not acceptable to God. It's open rebellion. Why? Because to engage in this behavior is to deny Christ, to deny his sacrifice, to deny God's word. It's the flat-out refusal to follow God or acknowledge his authority. It says, I know better than Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. It's complete and utter blasphemy, and the enemy tries to market it as a loophole. Because Satan is a liar. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is one way that he does it. He sells this lie to churches and believers. And we read here in Jude, it's simply not true. It's a road to destruction. It ends in death and decay. That's why Jude says, watch out for these people. They're sneaky in their approach to undermine God. Verse 12 says it like this. When these people eat with you in your fellowship mills commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. It continues in verse 16. These people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. It's why we have to protect ourselves by daily going to God's word, daily praying to Jesus, daily thinking and praising the Lord. Because we have a real enemy, and his goal is your destruction. And one of the ways Satan does it is by putting in just a few drops of poison. You don't notice it at first, but you get sicker and sicker until it ends in your spiritual death. Jude says, hey, we knew this would happen. The apostles of Christ told us this was coming, and now it's here. We can't let them separate us from God or the church. They're not following Jesus. They're only following their sinful desires, and the Holy Spirit has no part in their actions. In verse 20, Jude gives the call to arms for all Christians to overcome the attack of the enemy. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. We are meant to be in community in the local church, not just for ourselves, but to encourage and build up other believers. Are you actively doing this in your life? If not, you need to start. We are meant to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time to begin to daily come to Christ and say, Lord, I need you. Move in my life. And finally, to fix our eyes on Jesus and not allow anything to distract or lure us away from the Savior. If you want to help anyone else, first, you must allow God 
to help you to change and transform your life. Only then will you be ready to do what Jude says next. Verse 22, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. When we're trying to cure cancer, we have to cut it out, kill it. We don't welcome it or accept it. It's the same way with sin. We recognize it as the spiritual cancer that it is. We love people. We embrace them. We want to see them rescue. We show mercy. But at the same time, we want their lives to be free of the very thing that's killing them. It's not mercy or love to embrace other sin. It's a willingness to watch them be destroyed by it. If I was actively ruining my marriage by disregarding my vows and hurting my wife, it wouldn't be love to embrace all the negative things I was doing. If you did, it would be like saying, I'm okay if you destroy yourselves and others, as long as you feel good about you. No, my sin would have to be dealt with first to repair what was broken. We hate sin because we love life. We love Jesus. And sin is the opposite of everything we care about. It is a destructive force of Satan, and it has no place in the kingdom of heaven. And with great caution and mercy, we show the love of Christ to all who struggle, so they might be made right with God and receive his salvation, hope, and redemption, and to be free from sin. I want to close the show in the same way that Jude ends his one and only chapter in the New Testament. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. I want to encourage you to read the book of Jude on your own. If you need a Bible, just tap on the link in the Honestly Radio Instagram or Facebook page. We have a few free resources for you there, as well as ways to connect and download the podcast. I want to encourage you to connect with God daily, in prayer, in your Bible, and through attendance and service at a local church. Allow Christ to begin building your faith. Thank you for joining us on Honestly Radio. Remember, live honestly, be blessed. We'll see you next time.